This morning, I, I, we are uh, blessed by having each other here. Um, among us are uh, our new administrative assistant, Miracle Rose, and her husband, Christian. And I just want to say good morning to you, and it's, it's so good to have you here. There are, there are times when all of us have the experience of being uh, God's answer to prayer, and it is uh, a, a, a wonderful thing. And so, Miracle, please know that it, um, we are very much blessed that God responded to our prayers by having you join uh, our staff. So, welcome. Very, very good to have you here. All right, what is it like for you when you're preparing uh, for an important event? When you're, you're thinking through all the things that need, to have, uh, that need to take place, that you're preparing for some kind of a big day. Let's say you're going to leave on a trip. All the things that you have to go through. Who's going to take care of the cat? You know, and who, I need to call the post office and stop the mail. And if it's not a trip, what would it be to prepare for that big day of prom? You've got prom coming up and all the things that you need to go through in your mind. And um, uh, did I ask the person, or <laughs> have I forgotten to do that? Um, have I arranged my friend group to get together? Do I have reservations? Um, or maybe it's a big game or important meeting. If we have something coming up, a big event coming up in the future, our minds begin to think about it. Our bodies begin to prepare for it. We live today in light of what we know that's coming. Yes, are we to engage and embrace the day that we're living in? Absolutely. Do we want to live one day at a time? Yes, there is value in, in being present for this day. And yet we know that when a big day is coming, it can impact and ought to impact how we're even behaving on this day. Now we do this all the time. In fact, we structure our lives around it. This past week, we know that there were a number of people who started their high school experience. But they didn't just show up to high school without having done any preparation for it. They could not have gone into high school if they had not finished grade school and middle school. That their bodies had to grow and that, that there was a level of maturity that they had accomplished. And so they enter high school prepared for that day. Of course, people in high school, they, they tend to do the same thing with what's coming next, whether it's the military or, or some kind of trade or, or, or if they're going to go into college. And they know that during these high school years, it's important that we, we live in light of what might be coming next. Of course, in college, the same thing happens, and they begin to think about career and what's coming after college. And during career, we tend to think about, well, one day maybe retirement and what do I need to do with my finances now? And where will I want to position myself geographically? And, and we think through these things. We live today in light of anticipated future realities. Well, what is it like for you as you anticipate, as you await the return of Christ? Okay, a little gut check here. Um, for how many of us would that have been a buzzkiller question? Oh, great. Here goes the pastor again bringing up things like that. Or for how many of us is that a, uh, a buzz generator question? That Jesus is returning one day. We're in this series in Second Peter where we are going to 
uh, where we have been looking at what makes us different, that we are different, that to, to be in a relationship with Jesus distinguishes us from other folks, and that the invitation extends to all other folks. And, and when someone says yes to Jesus Christ in their life, it changes who they are. It changes their reality. And this morning we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. We're going to talk about embracing our different end. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it and turn toward uh, the back of the Bible, Second uh, Peter chapter 3. And again, we'll be reading verses 1 through 13. We'll put it on the screen as well. Hear the word of God. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of, of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God bless our time together as well. This morning what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the passage. Second Peter lays it out for us. It, it helps us think through the, the, the reality of what's coming and its implications for life today. So the first part of our conversation we'll simply call a call to recall, a call to recall, that we're to remember two things, according to Second Peter. We're to remember the prophecies, the predictions of the holy prophets, that we're to remember the commandment of the Lord and Savior. You know, we're not told exactly which Old Testament uh, predictions that were to give our attention to, but there are a number of places in the Old Testament that describe that, that 
toward the end that there will be people who will speak against the very work of God, that there will be these scoffers, these mockers who will uh, um, have an alternative description of how things are going. They will say there will be no destruction even though God's destruction is coming. Second Peter tells us that they're operating out of their sinful desires, how they want things to turn out. Have you heard of a vision board before? You know, a vision board, it's, it's where you take your ideas, your, your goals for the future, and you put them down in a crafty way. I was on OprahDaily.com this past week because I wanted to read about vision boards, and they had something on there. And, and here's how they referred to it. I love this. This is a, a, a term we have to adopt. They said that um, vision boards, turn your goals into a crafternoon. Isn't that great? I, I haven't never had a crafternoon. I am looking forward to renaming my afternoons. The idea that you would take your thoughts and your dreams and your goals and, and you would put it down on a, on a poster board and, and you'd put those right words in the, in the pictures that would motivate you and, and capture your attention, that you would aim for these things. And so Second Peter is telling us that these scoffers, these mockers, that the motivation behind their vision board is their own sinful desires. That they're not referencing something beyond themselves. They're not paying attention to the prophecies of old. They are simply drawing a picture of the future based out of their own sinful desires, their own yearnings, their, their self-focused yearnings. They have said that there is no judgment. There will be no judgment. And so let's live for today in the way we would want to. We're also to remember the commandment of the Lord. Peter Davids in his commentary describes this as a way of, of saying all of the teachings of Jesus, all the things that he taught us in understanding and in commandment, that we would recall these things. The prophecies of old that said, listen, there's going to be a time when scoffers speak out. And in that time, also remember everything that Jesus has said. In other words, this is a call to be engaged with Scripture. It's a call that we as followers of Jesus want to be in God's Word, that we would know it, we would recall it, a call to recall. By the way, last week after uh, worship, uh, I took advantage of the opportunity to uh, participate in um, Greg Manship's uh, Bible study on the Gospel of Mark. It was outstanding. It, it would be hard, you would be hard-pressed to find somebody who loves and gets more excited about God's Word than Greg Manship does every single word of it uh, as he brings out the the stories behind each word and the sentences and the connections and and so i encourage you make use of that wonderful resource all right a call to recall the second thing is this that we would understand the ages in addition to recalling what scripture has already uh, cleared up for us that we would understand the ages here's what the scoffers were saying where is the promise of his coming for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. A good number of commentators will say the fathers are, are the, uh, the early church leaders, the, the apostles, the, the, the first of the leaders in the Christian faith. And, um, uh, and yet the, the term the fathers is a very Jewish term. And, and it can very much mean that this would be the, uh, 
the worthies, uh, as David's put it, the worthies of the Old Testament, uh, the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Ever since they fell asleep, every day's just been happening. Things just keep going on. We can expect that things will just always keep going on this way. There's no judgment in the future. It's just how time works, one day after the other. So enjoy. Live according to your desires. That's the voice of the scoffers. Of course, we may be on the other side of that feeling today. Maybe we, we have more of that feeling of impending doom. What with all the, the, the earthquakes and the, and, and the, um, the climate change uh, impacts that are taking place all around us, the, the uh, more severe droughts, the bigger fires, the, uh, the larger floods that are occurring more often. What Second Peter wants us to understand is that when we think about the ages, we're not taken up just with this sense of impending doom. At the same time, we're not taken up with just this sense of every day is going to keep going on. But that we would be taken up with the notion that, that God has a plan that he's working out. And that we should learn from what God has done in the past that we might be able to understand what he's doing in the present. And so what Peter, what Second Peter points out is that he establishes or he communicates that there are three ages. That there is an age that began at the time of creation and that it ended at the time of the flood. So if you go back into the Bible, into Genesis, and you look at those first chapters that God created all things, we know that through scientific research that that, that beginning, that creation event was some 13.77 billion years ago. And whether God was already at work even before then doing things that we can't even observe in our universe. But at, at some point, God created all things. And then we're told in Scripture that there was this time where wickedness and people were just going about their own sinful desires. And, and God said, enough, enough. And he set aside a family and he, he provided for their escape from that. And he brought judgment. He did so through a deluge, through, through waters coming in, through his word and through waters. And that would be age number one. And, and what, he's, what Second Peter is saying to the scoffers is, look, God has acted in the past. It, it got to a point and God said, I'm going to hit a, a reset button. And he did. And then there was a renewal. We know that when the deluge came, it, it not only took out uh, the wicked, that, but that it also impacted the world. And God renewed the world. And a dove could find a branch and bring it to the ark. And, and, and there was a renewal that took place. And what 2 Peter is telling us is that there's going to come a day when instead of a deluge, there will be fire. What God had done before with water, one day he will do with fire. And then after that day, that there will be another renewal. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this time there will be no end. There will be no wickedness. There will only be righteousness in those days to come. And in this current age of ours, between renewal and fire, we know that Jesus came into the world and provide, provided the way through the fire. Which then brings us to our next part of the passage. Not delay, but mercy. Not delay, but mercy. 
what Second Peter does is he first tells us uh, uh, about um, uh, there's a difference in we, how we approach time. If you're a Doctor Who fan, this is the timey-wimey type thing. This is, you know, for God, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. God is not confined just to the rotation around the Earth's axis and, and the orbit around the, uh, the, the sun. God's approach to time is, is greater than that. One day is as a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is as one day. And the second thing we learn is that, the, that the, the, what seems like it could be a delay is really all about mercy. In verse 9, we're told that God is patient, not wishing that any should perish. Do you remember when you got your driver's license? Do you remember? Now, I know that there's a number of us in this room that probably grew up on farms. And you probably started driving well before you ever got your driver's license. I, I know that I, I, growing up out in California, we had some property in the Sierras. And, and we had a, a bunch of dirt roads and a couple of Jeeps. And we learned to drive when we were in middle school. And just had a blast driving all over the mountains. But they wouldn't let us out on the highway. Maybe we had that moment where we sat on a parent's lap and we helped steer the car as they were going, you know, closer to how, the house or something. And uh, maybe we had that. But there's a reason why we wait until uh, children grow to be 16 years old before we give them a driver's license. It's an act of mercy. It's not just this arbitrary delay. It's not just to frustrate them. It's, to, it's an act of mercy to them and to their parents and to every other human being that lives in the community. We're going to wait until you're, you're a little taller, you're a little more grown, you're a little more mature, that front part of your brain's acting a little bit better, that you can make better decisions. It's an act of mercy to wait. And so God says it's an act of mercy. Second Peter tells us it's an act of mercy. It's not just that God's sitting around, you know, uh, just biding his time. He wishes that none would be lost. But the day is coming. The day is coming. Second Peter tells us it'll come like a thief in the night. You know, Jesus used this metaphor. He, he used it in reference to vigilance. It was important to, to be vigilant. And we find later in the New Testament that it's, it's taken a, a new meaning, that it, it, it means that it's going to happen in an unexpected way. It's going to happen in an unexpected way, that, that it's going to be quick. It's, it's not going to be when you think it's going to happen. It's, going to, it's just going to happen in the right moment. And then there's this description that talks about the burning of the heavenly bodies and, and the idea that God is peeling things back that he might lay bare the works that have happened on the earth. God peeling things back so that, that he might have this view of all the works on the earth. And then we t find out that there's going to be in this day as God peels things back and he, he discovers the works and looks at the works and evaluates the works and he brings judgment. And he, and he looks and he says, these who have been saved by Christ, who have been marked with the righteousness of Christ. And we have this in Scripture that please enter the kingdom and, the, and, and those that have gone their own way who have operated out of sinful desire that, that there's a very different end. And for those who have come to him through Jesus Christ, it will be a, a, a new heaven and a new earth. 
The word here, there's a couple words for new in, in the Greek language, and the word being used here is this idea of freshness. Not, not new necessarily in terms of, of, of time or, or age of it, but, but that there's this newness and freshness. It'll be, be a renewed uh, experience, a, a whole fresh being, and, and that this freshness will be defined by God's righteousness. The very character of God will define it. The day is coming. And so he gives us this exhortation. Second Peter gives us this exhortation. Living now in light of then. Living now in light of then. Okay, so if, if you knew you were going to live in another country, like someone just clearly told you, you're going to live in the middle of Siberia. Or you're going to live in Saigon. And this is not being moved with the company, you know, where you can uh, live among a whole bunch of expats and, and you go to expat, your kids go to expat school and, and, and you have all the people at the office you can talk to. And, but no, you're just going to go by yourself and you're going to live in this new country. Maybe you're going to be in a little village in the Andes Mountains in Chile. If you knew this was going to happen, that this transition was going to happen, I would imagine we would start doing some things today. Let's say we're going to live in that Andes village, and we know that, that uh, our new altitude is going to be like uh, 15,000 feet or 17,000 feet above sea level. Well, we would probably work on our lungs a little bit. We'd probably do something to learn the language. We would want to probably do something to learn some kind of skill that could be useful in the community. If we're going to be transported from where we live today into a new reality, we might do well. We might be wise to prepare for that new reality. And so Second Peter tells us, listen, through Jesus Christ, that one day when God makes all things new, you're going to live in a reality that is defined by God's righteousness. So, so get ready. Start now. Live the lives in light of the new reality that's coming your way. And so he says, live lives of holiness and godliness holiness and godliness this uh one commentator uh, by the name of um robert harvey described what that life looks like he says to live in holiness and godliness he says it this way that in this kind of life we are agreeing with god we're hating what he hates and we're loving what he loves. We're evaluating everything in our relationships and prospects by the standard of his word. To live a, a life of holiness and godliness is not just a, about being religious or, or doing religious things. It's hating what God hates. It's loving what God loves. It's evaluating everything in our relationships and our prospects by what God has revealed in his word. You know, there are places in Scripture where we can get a, a quick little refresher of, of these very types of things. We could go to the Sermon on the Mount. And we know that, that in, in, in God's economy, in Jesus' economy, he says stuff like, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are, are, the, are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for his sake. And we know that those are things that are just true about God's kingdom, and yet it gives us insight as to what holiness. We know other places in the New Testament where we're taught to do these very things, to live this very way. 
We could do a quick look at the, at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We could look there and we could see these things that, that, that if the Spirit is at work in our lives, we ought to expect that there would be greater love and peace and joy and stuff like gentleness and and self-control, and these wonderful things. That, and we can say, living a life of holiness and godliness, we ought to see these things taking place. We can look at the two greatest commands, to love the God, Lord our God with all of who we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is to live a life of holiness and godliness. It's not just to live these things. We're also then encouraged that uh, as we live these things, we're waiting. We're waiting. What comes to mind for me is, you know, at Christmas time, when we begin the Advent season and we have an Advent calendar, and we have that Advent calendar, and every day we're opening another door, a, a, little, a little envelope, and we're, we're reading little scriptures or eating little chocolates, and we have this sense of waiting, anticipating. It's coming. Christmas is coming. The Advent of Jesus, Jesus is arriving and so now we have this extended Advent season. And we're encouraged, open that door. Open those little doors. Open your scripture. Open your heart to God. Be focused on God. Live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the Advent of Jesus, to the next Advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. And it's not just waiting, but we're also told that we're hastening. Do you get that? That each one of us, that as we live out this call of God on our lives, we actually participate in the bringing about of that day. That it's not just waiting, but we're hastening that day. I don't know how it all works. Nobody really knows how it all works. But that God uses our faithfulness. God uses our choices, our lives, that we might be involved in the hastening of that day and its arrival. Living now in light of then. So, we're going on a trip. A big day is coming. It's not just about going to school. It's not just about going to college or getting a job or retirement. It's so much bigger than that. A big day is coming. It's an end that is different than, than what the rest of the world will experience. And God wants us to, to live today in light of that tomorrow, that we would embrace the end that he has for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the God who tells us, you tell us the story, that you are the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that we can learn from what you've done in the past, and we can anticipate and know and rely upon your word to be descriptive of, of reality of reality in the past, the reality currently, and the reality to come. So God, you know how easily it is for us to live out of our own desires, to get caught up in, in cultural desires, to, to build vision uh, posters that are just full of our own things. God, would you so work in our hearts and minds today that we would choose on this day that we would live lives of holiness and godliness, that you would grow us in your spirit, that more and more so every day that others would be able to see in us the very things of your character. To you be all the glory. Thank you for working on these things in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name.